Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're talking about do not quench the spirit. This is actually the 14th message in this series. Uh, We spent quite a bit of time. My intention wasn't to spend this much time on it, but you start getting into it and you start to realize things. Um, and it's helping us because we're learning and developing in uh, understanding and operating in the gifts of the Spirit in a decent and orderly way. And so I want to actually go back um, to last week and just touch a couple of things that I hit on um, that I wasn't able to finish. Um, and so last week we had six people come to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on last Wednesday. So that was awesome. And... Uh, so, uh, but uh, what I was going to say, we were talking about interpretation of tongues. That was the last gift that we left off on as far as the vocal gifts. The vocal gifts are prophecy, diverse tongues, and then the interpretation of tongues. And obviously, the vocal gifts do what? They say something, right? Okay. They, those are what the vocal gifts do. And so we're talk, we had talked about and hit on uh, interpretation of tongues. And I want to hit a couple of things that I wasn't able to finish. How many remember the story that I was telling last week about the lady who decided she was going to get the whole church to go to the altar and she had a prophetic word from God in, in a service uh, that one of actually our teachers was in at Rama. His name is Tony Cook, a good minister, good teacher. If you're ever interested, you can search him online. He's really good. But uh, we had, they, he was an associate pastor at a church, and there was a lady in the service who thought herself to be a prophetess and uh, stood up in the middle of the service, and, and uh, this only happens in Pentecostal churches, by the way, uh, <laughs> stood up in the service and, and declared, you know, God is calling everybody in this place to repentance, and she got out of the aisle and started marching down to the front of the, of the, uh, in the altar area and said, everybody to the altar, we're going to repent right now. Well, the pastor didn't know who she was. The Holy Spirit wasn't, you know, it didn't alert the pastor to it, first of all. Um, and so uh, the pastor got up quickly, came to the pulpit and said, everybody just lift your hands where you're at and begin to worship God. Now, this must have been a seasoned guy. You know, because you, you don't just, if that's first time for you, sometimes you get caught off guard. Uh, I've even watched seasoned guys get caught off guard, you know, in some of those situations. And so um, they all stood up, and then Tony, who was sitting somewhere in the front, uh, the pastor caught his eye, and as the associate, the pastor looked at him and went and pointed at him and then pointed at the lady, which was, go get her now and remove her. Okay, people say, can you do that in church? Oh, yeah, you had better. And by you, I mean me and our leadership. I don't mean you specifically. (laughs) Because when the Spirit of God, the Lord said this to me, and this is why we're we're going over some of this as well. He said this, he said, "When when my power manifests strong to where you can feel it. I'm not talking about you just... You know, you know, God's everywhere all the time. He, he's never, uh, there's no space he doesn't inhabit in that sense. He's omnipresent, okay? The devil is not omnipresent. He can only be in one place. And I know people rebuke him at, his, at their house, but he's probably not there. It's just probably one of his little demons, Okay. So there's only one devil, and he can't be everywhere. God is omnipresent. But when the presence of God gets stronger and stronger, the Lord said this to me. He said, people who don't know me real well will make it all about them. Or they're real young in their uh, understanding. They make everything about them. Now, that's that's not necessarily a sin. You realize that. But it takes mature believers to go, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but here's where this is. This is where this is going, and to and to uh, bring uh, decency and order to what's going on, because God's into decently in order and in order. Did you know that? So let me finish the story so I don't forget and then have to do it next week. So he took the lady to another uh, room in the church, 
and had an usher there, and they were, they, he was talking to her. And she said, well, she said, I just can't help it. She said, when the Spirit of God comes on me, I have to give what is given to me. And Tony Cook, knowing the Bible, said, actually, the Scripture says that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Now, I'm going to read you some other translations of that because I want you to understand that uh, and what, what I found interesting was that statement is actually made about holding your peace and not saying. It's only made with the vocal gifts. I looked. Do you know there's actually not a ton of instruction on the next six? There's not a ton of instruction on all the gifts anyway. Which tells me that the Lord's, he, he's, he's, he's not saying you can't do, you have to do these gifts just like this, he's saying there's certain parameters to them, but there is some wiggle room on how a church flows in them as long as it's decently and in order. But when it, when it comes to saying you can, that, uh, that you actually can control whether you say something or not or hold your peace, it's the vocal gifts. The gifts that say something. And I'm going to read you, how, how do I establish a truth in this area? I have to have two or, and I got two. I got two. And so I want you to see this. And sometimes when people think they hear these verses uh, uh, shared, they think, well, that's just a controlling church. Yes. And no. Have you ever noticed that, and you'll see this, but when you're reading passages of scripture and you get to one you really like, am I the only one that does this? I tend to emphasize that verse and just kind of ignore the other ones around it. <laughs> am I the only one that has ever done that? I mean, <laughs> okay. When I started doing expository teaching on Philippians, it really started opening my eyes. I went, oh. That's what that means. I went, oh, I can't say that like that anymore. So I, and then I started teaching uh, in the BFBI, the Bible school, and I did some more study. I am almost all the way through verse by verse, study-wise, in Ephesians. And Philippians was a shorter book, and you know how long it took me on that one. But, and I was, as I was studying that, and I'm doing right now, one right now on faith, and I'm doing Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going verse by verse, and I'm going, oh, that's what that means. I've, I'm not going to get into the faith side on Hebrews 11, but there's a whole lot more than, than what I've understood about faith. I got a good foundation, of course, at Ramah, and there's a lot there on faith, but I, it went to a whole nother level. Because I went, oh, there are dimensions of this faith that I have not understood before. There are principles that we learned, but they, they were basic in breaking in. But then there's levels of faith and understanding there that I didn't understand before. Well, it's the same with this. So I love tongues and interpretation. You guys know that. I don't mind prophecy. I don't mind the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't bother me a bit. But the, I would... I didn't know what to do with the verses around it, but now it's starting to make even more sense. It's even more clarity is coming. And I'm this way, um, and, I th and I know you're this way as well. You, you have an understanding of something, but when you study it, you understand it more. And when you have more understanding, it gives God the ability to do more. Because faith comes by, it, it does by hearing, but by knowledge. You're, you're hearing, because faith comes by hearing. Yes, we know that. And you're not wrong on that. This isn't my ear, though. <laughs> this is my head. It comes by knowledge. You're not going to believe beyond what you, your knowledge. You won't. Because you need knowledge. That knowledge gives, it opens Understanding opens up the spirit world to you when you have knowledge from here. And you can operate and function in more than you did previously. How many would you, you can say this with your life with the Lord? You know more today than when you first were saved. 
Okay? So here's what I love about the Lord. If you are bored in your relationship with him, it's not his fault. It means you've shut off the flow of illumination that he can bring to you. Somehow or another, whether it be ignorantly or purposefully, whatever, however the enemy got in or flesh took over, whatever it is, whatever the reasons are, you can actually cut off the, your own uh, uh, enlightenment because you're not being lit by this. Because the entrance of his word brings light, right? So the, sub, the, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So let's go uh, to... Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, verse number 31. So that's where that story, this is where that story, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I want to read this verse to you. 1 Corinthians 13, or four, sorry, 14.31 says this, For you can all prophesy one by one. Who can, who can prophesy? Everybody, every, every spirit-filled believer can prophesy one by one. This is not specifically right here talking about the prophet's office. Now, that he'll hit that. But every believer has the ability in the simple gift of prophecy. Now, I'm not going to go back to that because the simple gift of prophecy we already talked about. If you want to hear that, you can go back and listen to the previous messages on it. But it says this, um, that all may, I find this, uh, I love this word, learn and all may be encouraged. So what is prophecy for? Learning and encouraging. Verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to who? For God is not the author of what? The next verse, verse 32, he's not the, or 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches. Let me read this to you in the um, New Living uh, Translation. It says, verse 32 says, Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. Who's in control? Oh, no, Holy Ghost comes on me, and you never know what I'm going to do. That's an excuse to be carnal. And you're emotion or feeling driven, not spirit-led. Now, when I was, that's, that's, not a, that's not necessarily a sin. It's just a maturity issue. I know when I was first saved, I wanted to go to every service where the Spirit of God moved, and I didn't care whether they preached or not. Or if they did preach, they better spit, yell, scream, and roll on the floor. Because that was something that I felt like I needed, I guess. It appealed to my natural. And when somebody did teach, I'd kind of shut it off a little bit. But as I got older and more uh, understood a little bit more, recognized more, I love a true teaching anointing. I'm not talking about just a head educator. I'm not just talking about somebody who has a lot of degrees. I'm talking about the anointing to teach. How many enjoy Doug Jones? That's the anointing to teach. That mantle is there. He, uh, he told me, he said, Sean, I loved the worship songs we did. And he said, thanks for not doing a ton of it. <laughs> you know, some people think, well, I come to church. I need to worship to get into the spirit for at least an hour. Why, why are you out of the spirit? Hello. I mean, you got Bethel on your YouTube. What are you doing all week? You know what I mean? And I would just say this. If you need worship music to worship, you're still soft. Oh, man. Ugh. Maybe we should just end the service. Before we get too far into this, no, I want to grow. Do you want to grow? That challenges me too. So this, remember that people, the New Living Translation, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their own, of their spirit and can take turns. Listen to this in the Living Bible. Verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 14, 30, or 14, verse 32 says this in the Living. It says, remember that a person who has a message from God has the power to stop himself or wait his turn. 
I've never heard these verses. I mean, and I know people have taught on them, but I just never heard it put like this. You have the power to what? Stop yourself. Well, that's the title of the message, John, is don't quench the spirit. Who wrote these words? The Holy Spirit. Who wrote don't quench the spirit? The Holy Spirit. So both must be right. When you think don't quench the spirit, don't think he's this emotionally unstable, sensitive. He's the third person of the Godhead. He was around before we were ever created or any generation, and he's been able to get through every generation without having to see a psychiatrist. He's fine. And the Holy Spirit is not... They didn't let me prophesy. I'm never going back to that church. No. He's a convincer. Which means he'll keep coming around. And keep coming around. And as long as there's an opening, he'll keep coming around. And going, hey, how about this time? Now, specifically, these verses right here are dealing with a a church that just had a bunch of dysfunction, okay? It's not like they were not letting the Holy Spirit prophesy or, or the gifts of the Spirit to operate. It's that everybody's trying to operate all at once, and there's no structure. Remember, this is the church that gets drunk at communion, And they see a loaf of bread and go, oh, man, I've been hungry all day. And they don't think about the other people. They just eat it. (laughs) This is that group. Well, whether I want to admit it or not, or you do, but whether I want to, there are areas of my life where we need to, where I need to have adjustments constantly. Okay, let's tighten this down a little bit. More and more and more and more to where we function in maturity as a group. Because the Lord didn't, the Lord didn't say, oh, it's too hard to get a church to flow in order, so just give up. Don't bother. Just, just teach on other stuff that, you know, won't stir the waters. <laughs> you know? Just relegate all that to home groups. (laughs) Come on. I get why it happens. I understand why. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying I know why that happens, but I don't see it as something viable to shut off. I watched the Spirit of God move in services with 8,000 people there. That's not an exaggeration. There were 8,000 people there. And not everybody jumped up and tried to give a word all at once. And the Lord wasn't able to use, you, you can't, you, how are you going to give 8,000 people a chance to prophesy? That's why it says by two, one, two, or three. And then stop. But if it's possible in that setting, it's possible in our settings. But it isn't just the ministers. It's you growing in your relationship with the Lord. Amen? So, interpretation of tongues. I want to hit this too. Because I left it alone uh, last week. Not intentionally. It just seemed like the, the utterance went a different direction. But uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Which means you should come locked and loaded if you're a disciple of the Lord. That's what that means right there. Whether you get a share it or not, you get a come, you come locked and loaded. Listen, when you wake up in the morning, you should be locked and loaded before you go anywhere. I don't know people think, locked and loaded? What is this, a conceal and carry class? Well, it is a carry class, but we open carry the gospel. We don't always conceal it. <laughs> you should just be on full. 
If you're, if, as a disciple of the Lord, as somebody who's mature in the Lord, if you're waiting for the church service to fill you up, you've already missed it. Not that it can't. It's just that you, the scripture doesn't say you have to be in a group setting to be full. You can do it on your own. Come on, we talked about this before. You can read yourself full. You can read yourself full. People say, how will I know? You'll know. How do, you, do you know when you're full in the natural? You'll figure it out when you're full in the spiritual. Some of you might discover that you're a little emptier than you thought. Because <laughs> I'll just put it to you like this. K-love ain't going to fill you. Sorry. I mean, I'm not really sorry, but it's the truth. It's the truth. There's not enough there. And I'm not saying that, I mean, we have it preset on some of our radios. I never listen to it. <laughs> I'm in somebody else's vehicle. But it is preset, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. There's some good songs on there for sure. But the reality is, is that's not how you get full of the word. Because some of the songs aren't even word. My wife says to me the other day, uh, what did you say, Taylor's your daughter or something like that? <laughs> she was listening to a song on Caleb, and she's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, wham, wham, wham. <laughs> I might have done something to my kids. I, they did not get that from their mom. God, come visit me. The scripture says, that he's nigh you and in your heart. Don't say who will ascend to heaven to bring Christ down or who will descend to bring him. The word is in your heart. So when it comes to interpretation of tongues, um, we see here in verse 27, it says... If, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. What does it say? Let him keep what? No, no, I have a tongue. I have to give it. Nope. Not what it says. Just like with the prophetic. Well, I, I have to. If I don't, you know, I'm going to explode. Well, hold on and we'll see. <laughs> okay? I like to test things, you know? I want to see, you know, if you're really going to explode or not. <laughs> I will just put it to you like this. For years, I have sat in services, not everyone, but in many services, and had words come to me from the Lord and never given them. And the Lord still has not shunned me and kicked me out of his family. It's just, when you get aware of the Holy Ghost, it doesn't take much for you to be aware of stuff going on. But you also realize you don't have to give it. Now, if nobody does, and you're an interpreter, and there's that, you have an interpretation, and there's a tongue given or somebody that wants to, obviously, then you need to, to do that. But there are also times, and this is just the balance that you have to learn. Brother Hagin said this. He said, some of us sat around in services when there was a tongue and interpretation. Somebody gave the tongue. We had the interpretation, but we were waiting for the other person to give the interpretation because we knew they could, and they went and lost it. And then they apologized, asked the person to give the tongue again, jumped back into the spirit, and then gave the interpretation. In other words, God didn't leave the service. So, we can be silent. Now, it says here, it says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let it be by two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Okay? Now, I want to address this issue. I want to read, actually, from Brother Hagin's book, Concerning Spiritual Gifts. 
But it says this, and Brother Hagin said this. He said, in the, in the 27th verse of this same chapter, Paul said, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Only three people should minister in tongues in, a public, in public in any one service. The words two and three in the Greek are personal pronouns. Some have, some have asked, does that refer to three messages? Actually, we don't find the expression messages in tongues anywhere in the Bible. This is just a phrase which we have coined to try to explain it. A better term would be utterance in tongues. However, this verse is talking about people, not messages or utterances. These are three people that are used in what? Diverse tongues. And they could go on the whole service if it was fitting. Because it says, let it be by two or by three. At the most three. But it doesn't say three messages. It says, don't get more than three people up here. Why? Decently and in order. That's why. And I'd never, I didn't see it like that before. And he said the same thing concerning what? The prophetic. Only let it be by three. But what if a fourth prophet gets something? Then the three that are up there could be, could hear, oh, they believe there's another prophetic gift. Then the three that are up that operate in prophecy can go, let's just wait on the Lord another minute. There, there seems to be something else that he wants to say. And they, one of them, can say it. Why? Decently and in order. Isn't that interesting? It makes clear, it makes sense to me. It, it's helping me uh, get more understanding for structure and things. Paul didn't actually say how much people should or should not speak in tongues. He didn't say, he didn't say this either. If you're in a public setting, don't speak in tongues at all. He said, speak quietly to yourself and to God. He just said, let two or three speak and let it be by course, or that would mean in turn. This implies they should, they should not all speak at once. Have you ever been in a service where multiple things are trying to go on all at once? And how many have done this? Okay, I've done this. So, and maybe you've experienced it, maybe you haven't. But how many, you, you know the presence of God is there, but you're like, what is going on? But yet you sense God. So we had a, a couple start coming to our church. It was uh, several months ago. And uh, the, the lady shared with us, they had us over for, for dinner, and the, the, the wife shared with us when she got saved. And she said, I was saved in a church similar to yours. She said there were people falling over in the spirit. Da, 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 da. And she goes, I sensed God. She said, but I never knew what was going on. And she said, I really appreciate you explaining what's going on. Because in all actuality, it's not that people don't like, Christians don't like the move of the spirit. It's that they don't know what it is. What he's doing. There's, there's not explanation of what's taking place. And so here with tongues, that's what Paul's doing. He's giving us explanation. So when it comes to tongues, um, he said, don't all speak at once. There isn't a set number of tongues that could come forth as far as a diverse tongue. To me, it implies that an individual may speak more than once. That's what he's saying. But just don't get a fourth person up there or a fifth person or a sixth person for the perfect, not that that's the unpardonable sin. It's the purpose of what? Decently and in order. Brother Hagin said this, my advice to any congregation is that if three people have already spoken publicly in tongues, a fourth should not join in, no matter how strongly he may feel impelled of the spirit to speak. If something else needs to be said, one of those who has already spoken should utter it. That maintains good order. 
Notice Paul said, let one interpret. I want to address this. Let one interpret. There is nothing in the scriptures which would do away with the thought that the one person, that, that, let me read, let me start that over. There is nothing in the scriptures which would do away with the thought that one person may speak in tongues and interpret for himself. There's nothing in the scripture about that. In fact, one of those giving an utterance in tongues publicly may interpret that utterance, even though there might be more than one person present who could interpret. He said this, Brother Hagin went on to say this, Paul is admonishing us that we are not to have competitive interpretations. So there is nothing unscriptural with giving an utterance in tongues and interpreting it oneself as long as there is only one interpreter. Isn't that interesting? I mean, truth, it, it brings, when I, as I was reading through this, I'm like, okay, that makes more sense. Have you ever done this? Have you ever read a passage of scripture and go, went, huh? And so you think, I'm going to read it again. And you read it again and you go, huh? And you think, I'm going to read it again. <laughs> and you read it again and you go, huh? And then you go, I'm not going to read that one anymore. <laughs> Let's just move on. I've done that with this stuff. These truths. Shouldn't call it stuff. It's kind of disrespectful. With these truths, I've done that before. I've looked at it and went, huh? And the Lord's saying, Sean, dive into it a little bit. When Doug Jones was here, what did he say the first thing that we were supposed to do concerning truths that we see? Take what? Think time, right? He also made the comment. If you go back and listen to those two teachings, you'll find in there, he made the statement about laboring in truth. So, this is what I realized. If the Bible says it, and there's nothing that says it ended, but I don't go back to it and take time with it because I just don't understand it, then I'm saying I don't want to take the time to think and what? Lay, in other words, this is harder than I thought it would be. Lord, can't we make this easier can't you have a prophet just call me out, lay hands on me, and I'll understand everything? It's not how he operates. Personal responsibility has a... People don't realize how much it has to do with spiritual growth, especially in our circles, because we think, oh, a word of knowledge was given. I'll never have to deal with that problem ever again after he lays hands on me. There's still a devil in the earth. You've got to learn to fight yourself. So if, we're, if, if, if I want to understand this, then I don't just need to... Well, first of all, I need to take time to look into it, think about it, but then dig deeper beyond just glancing over the Scriptures. Take time to pray over it. Look up the meaning. Get a commentary. Get a Greek lexicon. And begin, I mean, they, and I'll just say this. All of that stuff's available online for free. There's more available right now in every area than you can, you can imagine. And I'm not just talking about taking someone's opinion on it. But actually looking at what the scripture says. Now, concerning uh, those, those vocal gifts, I think we've covered them pretty good. But I want to say this last thing concerning those vocal gifts. From these verses found in 1 Corinthians 14 and 12, 1 Corinthians 12, we see that having leadership and structure is not, is in a service is not quenching the spirit. I've been told that before. I've had people, I've had people tell me, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've had people say things on both ends of the spectrum. The gifts of the Spirit operate, they're like, well, I'm, that's not God, so they leave. The gifts of the Spirit, uh, uh, a person isn't allowed to do whatever they want, whenever they want, well, that, they're just controlling. 
To a degree, yeah. Do you just let your kids do whatever they want? People get offended at that. Have you noticed that? Well, what are you saying? You're the dad. Okay, you're offended, and I cannot help you, and neither can God. Because my heart is not to control you. If this was a cult, you need to give me your social security number, your checkbook, your... And none of the women can talk at all in church. You just keep your mouth shut. If you want to know anything, you ask your husband. <laughs> the husbands are like, stop it. Just quit now. <laughs> Bitterness is a terrible thing. I was studying this today. But this is just a side, side note. Bitterness leads to being what is, I think the word is unplacable, I think is the word. But what it basically means is you cannot be appeased. Nobody can do anything to, re, to uh, ease the burden of your life. It's everybody else's fault and nobody can do anything to fix it. And if you're at that point, neither can God. He ain't going to be able to help you either, so. Leadership and structure are biblical levels of control for all meetings. Going to say it again. Really good point. The Lord gave it to me. Leadership and structure are biblical levels of authority or control for all meetings. You know, I don't let my kids get up just whenever they want. I don't let them go to, to, uh, through their day just however they want. We make them brush their teeth. And you say, why do you use this example? Because it's just a natural example of something that can translate to the spiritual. It's just a natural example. It's the same in the church. Why would we, why would we, people say, well, God's in control. That's convenient. That's really convenient. So who's going to decide when God's in control or not? What they're saying is, when you let me do whatever I want, then we know God's in control. No, that would be you in control. Only I'm honest enough to say that I know I'm called to be in this place of leadership. The difference is you want to spiritually hijack it. Now, I'm not saying I say you. You, you understand, in general, not you personally, I doubt. <laughs> okay. That it, to me, you say, why, does, why, 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 why is this important? Because I've heard this stuff for years. Yet I've been able to sit in meetings and been under leadership where the Spirit of God was moving and I had something on my heart and I never said a word and I never brought it up afterwards when I was able to go eat with them. I did not and I will not ever unless they ask me. Do you know what I've found through the years? God lets me have lunch and dinner with people that are higher and higher up on the scale. You say, why? Because I'm not in it for me. I'm not trying to earn a position. How would I earn it anyway? How, how could I? Listen, I know more. You know, have you ever heard that, uh, that, I think it was, I don't know which famous Mark would know. <laughs> I don't, no pressure on you. I'm not going to make you announce it. But somebody had written a letter to a famous preacher years ago and pointed out all of his faults. And he wrote a letter back and he said, he said, I know far worse things about myself than what you wrote. <laughs> you know, when I was young in the Lord and had first received the prophetic call, right? By pro I'm talking about by prophecy. I was called out and told. And then the Lord gave me some dreams, and I knew, I, I started to realize, okay, something's going on here. And I thought, yeah, I got I to, gotta, man, this is going to be awesome. We're going to change the world. And I still have that vision. <laughs> but with more reality. 
Some of it is not so awesome. Not that, not that people are looking for self-pity. That's not the issue. It's just you get into it and you go, <laughs> I knew nothing. It turns out there, it doesn't matter if you're perfect. They'll still crucify you. If you're not wrong, they'll make something up that you did that you didn't do because they did it to Jesus. And they'll find witnesses to prove. Same demons, different generation. And they're still in the church. I'm not going into the gift of faith. Didn't make it. It's 801. I'm not going to. Okay, put this in your notes. The next gifts that we're going to talk about are the power gifts. The power gifts are special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. Okay? special, And I'm not going to tell you that they're going to go quick because I think they will and then they don't. <sighs> okay, special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. These are the gifts that do something. They demonstrate something. And they're really awesome. You're going to love them. And someday we'll get to them. But it won't be tonight. Did you get anything tonight? I don't want to keep you longer because sometimes I do that. and well, There's always next week. Right? Some people, you're planning on coming back sometime, right? So, yeah, think about it. Think about it. Pray about it. Let me know what the Lord tells you. Okay? <laughs> so, the reason why I bring up just the different experiences that I have isn't because I'm embittered about them. It's, and it's, sometimes I know it can feel like, well, you sound a little frustrated. It's actually not that, it's not frustrated like I'm frustrated with people. It's more, Lord, I know this is in your word. It should work right. So why isn't it? And this is what I found out about the Lord, you know, because in uh, Bible college, they'd say, okay, now go back to the word, go back to the word. I don't know if you heard Doug Jones say this, but he said it repeatedly, um, and he emphasized it over and over. He said, the best book on marriage is the Bible. He said this, you're not going to find a greater book on marriage than the Bible. The best book on parenting is the Bible. The best book on money is the Bible. But we have so much information available to us today that people go to a book first and then see if they can find it in the Bible, when in all actuality, they should be judging the book by the Bible. I don't care if they have a PhD. It could stand for post hole digger. You have no guarantee that that PhD is worth anything scripturally. Okay? That's new to some people. <laughs> I've heard it for years, right? <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying? It's not that I don't, and I'm not frustrated with us at all. I'm so grateful. It's just there's this, I know, okay, can I share something prophetically with you? Okay, so a few years ago, I went to a prophetic conference. I don't normally attend these, but the Lord told me to go. And it's not because I'm against them, it's just, I just, it was local, and I just don't go to a lot of stuff that I'm invited to by other, other groups locally, because we're just busy enough as it is, you know what I mean? And I bless them, it's not that I'm against them, I bless them, man, do what you're supposed to do. Um, and so I was in this particular service, and the Lord told me to go, and so I knew who the minister was, and I knew him to be pretty solid in this area of the prophetic, operating as a prophet. And he was doing some, so this was like a, a, a I guess you'd call it a workshop. I, I don't know what to call it other than that. So everybody's going to get involved, is my point. So it's a believer's meeting. The understood subject is prof the prophecy, and it's understood that people are going to be asked to be involved. And so I'm sitting there listening and, you know, uh, in, just enjoying it, writing some things down, seeing people that I know, and then they get into the service and stuff like that. And he said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have a person come up, and then people are going to come up, and if they feel like they have something, give it to you. And, uh, or to the person that comes up, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, great, you know, do it. And I hear, Sean. 
I'm like, God, you did this to me. <laughs> I, I heard, Sean, is it okay? And I'm thinking, you asked me in public. I'm not going to say it's not okay. I mean, unless I really felt it. Anyway, so they called me up. And I'm like, okay, it's fine because, you know, I, I'm far enough along now to know if, if what you're getting or what you're sharing with me is from the Lord or not, you know, at this point. And so, because like I, I've told you this before, I've been prophesied to be every gift in the, off, in the body of Christ. You say, what do you mean? People have told me I'm an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. I've been in meetings. So I'm all five, so I'm going to put that on my business cards. <laughs> anyway, do you ever walk up to a peach tree and go, I wonder what kind of tree this is? You ever walk up to an apple tree and go, and there's apples on it, and you go, I think this is an orange tree. You say, what's your point, Sean? If there's fruit, there's an office. If there's not, don't try and put fruit there that's not there. Well, I really like it. So what? You wouldn't if you were in the office. And you say, oh, how do you say? Brother Hagin used to say that. He said, people are always, I want to be a prophet. He said, if you stood truly in the office of a prophet, you wouldn't want it. I think he knew something about it. <laughs> so they come up. So this is why sometimes I seem intense. Only sometimes, though. It's, it's rare. I mean, normally I'm as docile and calm as Herb. When in delivery of things, I mean, I'm as cool as Dale is and Rick. I mean, I just, you notice I didn't point out Mike. Because <laughs> we're too similar. <laughs> just doesn't work. <laughs> We're too similar. Okay, so I'm standing there, and one person gets up, and they give a word, and, and, I, and it seemed like it was good. And uh, another a lady got up and said, I have something. And so she gives me a word. And then after it was done, the guy that was running the, the thing said, did all of those make sense to you, Sean? In other words, we're going to judge these prophecies right now. And I went, not hers, because it didn't. What am I going to say? Oh, yeah. It was all fine. <laughs> it was all good. I don't want to hurt your feelings, even though I'm not helping you grow spiritually. They got up there and gave the word. Nobody made them. And she handled it very well. And then somebody else got up that uh, had heard her word, and he said, I saw something similar, but this is what I saw. And all of a sudden, it went, ding, that's what it is right there. And she goes, yeah, I kind of had that, but I didn't say it. Well, next time, you'll say it probably. It's a good lesson, right? And it wasn't, nobody was, it wasn't trying to embarrass anybody. I mean, it's part of the deal. You know what I mean? How many have ever made a mistake before? You tend not to do that one again, especially if it embarrassed you good enough. <laughs> Our flesh is that way, and it's just flesh anyway. But in the dream, or in the vision, or whatever they saw, whatever it was, I was driving an old tractor, farming. And farming along, but the... The blade, the, the plow, I was actually plowing, but the plow that I had was brand new. It's a brand new, now the tractor was old. It was an old style, I don't, I guess, I always think of John Deere because of Grampy and, you know, that's all, I don't really know much about farming. But those tractors that he had, it was a really old style, but the blade was brand new, sharp and polished. And I was plowing this field. But every once in a while, I'd be plowing along, and they saw me in the seat, and all of a sudden, boom, and I'd stop, and I'd back up a little bit, and I'd lift the plow up. And then I'd get back there and start digging and pull a big old rock out of the ground. And I didn't they said, it didn't bother you at all, which that doesn't bother me at all. I don't mind that. And I'd throw it to the side and then go back to plowing. That's why I get so intense about some things. I found a rock in the field. 
You say, how do you find rocks? Right here. Now, there's, it's more than just this, but this is the main filtration system. This is how I know what's right and what's wrong. And I know it's the Spirit of God in us, but I have to find it here. People say, well, you're limiting the Holy Ghost to his own words. I don't find this lim lim limiting him. I find this pretty limitless in some ways. You know what I mean? There are boundaries. So that's why. So that helped me understand it. But what are you intense about? Where people think you're mad at them. Some people are like, nobody ever thinks that of me. Some people just have the gift of sweet. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but it takes certain temperaments to do certain things. The generation after us won't have to do as much of what we do. You ever seen a field that's been left to itself? That was farmed and treated and taken care of before? How long does it take for the weeds to grow back over? You know what we're doing? Our part, some of it, always clean up. But we'll seed down and have a generation after us that'll keep it going. But we're going to have to break ground. Now I'm just prophesying to you. Because I can see it. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.